in areas of Colombia controlled by Marxist FARC guerrillas, it's dangerous to be a Christian. The pastors have become targets. The message that comes from the Bible, which is Jesus is the way, not Marx, not Che Guevara, not the revolution, but Jesus, they, they don't like that. The guerrillas may not like that message, but it is spreading, and more people are following Christ. One of the enemy's main weapons against this growing church is fear. And it doesn't matter how good you are, how gifted you are, once fear settles, you stop. We'll learn about how our Colombian family overcomes that fear and keeps going, as well as update you with information about Asya Bibi in Pakistan and two pastors on trial in Sudan. This week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. A few weeks back, we talked about the persecution of Christians in Chiapas, Mexico. Our guest that day was Yvonne, who oversees VOM's work with persecuted Christians in Spanish-speaking countries. Regular listeners know that we often only refer to our guests by one name in order to protect their security as they travel and minister in restricted and hostile nations. So it's just Yvonne, no last name. We're pleased to have Yvonne back in the studio with us this week to talk about another country where he helps VOM connect with persecuted believers, and that nation is Colombia. Colombia is a country that a lot of our listeners will be at least somewhat familiar with. Uh, they'll be familiar maybe with the parachutes that we used to drop in Colombia. Um, one of the questions I've had, because I, I, you know, when we talk about Colombia, I'll get a call occasionally, well, you know, I have relatives in Colombia and and they're not persecuted at all. This is, you guys are telling only one side, da, 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 that kind of stuff. How are, how is life different for Christians in the, what we might call the safe areas of Colombia, the places controlled by the government, as opposed to the places where the FARC guerrillas uh, are really dominant? The contrast between cities in Colombia is huge. If you arrive in the capital, Bogota, it is amazing. It is a huge city. It is beautiful skyscrapers. Beautiful. <laughs> it, it, food is amazing. You can have everything you want in the States. You might have it there. It is very impressive. You have malls that have high-end uh, brands. It is unique. And you have megachurches. Bogota has a lot of megachurches. So if I only focus on Bogota, of course, Colombia is fine. There's no persecution. Nothing. Now, as you get out of the big city to areas that we call the red zones, and there are a lot of red zones in Colombia, these are places where the, the guerrilla or the paramilitary controls uh, or has con complete control over those areas. Uh, paramilitary is focused in large part in the north. Guerrilla is 
focus in large part in the south. Now, it doesn't mean they're not mixing between, but those are like the biggest regions we've noticed. And they're the law. They are the law, and they don't like things that goes against them or threaten their lifestyle or the way they do things. What is it that the FARC doesn't like about the church? Uh, because we know churches are targeted, pastors in particular are targeted. Why is it? Well, what is it about those that are such a threat to the FARC? Pastors teach something that is threatening to the guerrilla and the paramilitary, which is God, Jesus, freedom. And they don't like that. What uh, the, Let's say the guerrilla right now is, again, recruiting young kids to go and be part, become part of them. So they come, they promise everything they can give them, and then they take them into the jungle. And when the kids get to the jungle, they realize it was a lie, but now I'm here, and if I leave, I'll die. And it has happened. They have killed kids that say, no, no, I don't want to, and, and they're, they're dead. So um, the message that comes from the Bible, which is Jesus is the way, not Marx, not Che Guevara, not the revolution, but Jesus, they, they don't like that. And it has happened in several, several, uh, several points in the history in Colombia that pastors have become targets. The guerrilla leaders have said, you should kill a pastor. Kill a pastor, you get a reward. And that's the risk that happens. But you never hear about this because... Well, if you live in cities, because you only live in cities. As we travel, we find out that, unfortunately, some of the churches in Colombia, they don't know. They said the same thing. Oh, nothing is happening here. Or they don't care. Because they have a thriving church that is prosperous, and God bless them for that. That's amazing. But you have pastors in red zones that, in order to leave their village, they have to ask for, for permission. We have held conferences for pastors in Colombia and they have to ask permission, but they can't say, oh, I'm going to a Christian conference because they will not be granted permission. They don't like that. So they have to come up with an excuse so that they can travel. And now... And this is, they're asking permission from the FARC commander or from the FARC. Yes. This is not a government thing. This is the FARC who says, if you're going to leave the village, you need to check in with us first. Tell us where you're going, what you're doing, what's going on. Exactly. And a lot of these pastors... They live so far away that before they can grab the first bus, they have to take a boat. And they drive for hours in a boat. And once they're done with the boat, they have to walk for hours to the closest small village. And then from there, they have to grab a truck or something or a vehicle that will take them to the closest town with the bus that will take them from one city to the next. And it takes for some of these pastors we work with 18 hours, 12 hours just to get to a city where we're having these conferences. But they come. But they come. And and what is their, what's the benefit to them or, or what's their spirit once they get with other pastors? Because of the pressure that they get from the paramilitary or the guerrilla, they usually don't connect with other pastors because you can't trust other people. So when they come to these conferences, they start making friends from other denominations, from other areas, and what has been happening the past few years is that the body of Christ is getting stronger. They're now talking to each other. They're praying for each other. Where that well sounds basic, but they're finally know. Oh, I'm praying for somebody else that lives in a place that I'm never gonna go. But now we're doing this. 
something else that happens is these pastors have no training. Like here in the States, they can go to a Bible Institute or a seminary or something. They have nothing. They all, all they have is the Bible, which is amazing. But that's it. So when they come to a conference, they get to hear people with a lot of experience to teach them about subjects that they could never learn and, and they live so happy. Many of them say, thank you so much for this time because this is the only time of the year I stop worrying about my family. Because we have, this is like a vacation for us where we can all go out and we can all praise together, worship together without getting concerned about if somebody's going to come, if somebody's going to threaten us, if they're going to close our churches. So for them, it's like the trip of a lifetime. It sounds like they're like sponges. They just soak up every moment and everything that's said. And You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. We're glad you're with us on the Voice of the Martyrs radio. We're talking with Yvonne this week about the persecution of Christians in Colombia. One of the interesting things you said is just being with other pastors, and you mentioned it when you talked about Chiapas, just the fact that people understand we're not alone. They get with other pastors who are in the same kind of work, working in the hot zones, and they have that same experience. Hey, I'm not alone. There's other people who are in the same boat I'm in. Exactly, and it's just amazing what that does to the body of Christ. Um, I just want to add, sometimes we complain about church and uh, we say, I'd rather be by myself, and I, I'd rather be an island. And I know there are a lot of awesome answers out there for that, but the practical one that I've seen is when a pastor doesn't have companionship, um, the work gets very complicated. But when you get arm in arm with somebody else that is suffering with you, that knows what you feel, your ministry grows, your faith grows, and your relationship with God gets stronger. So I just encourage you, Go to a church. Be part of the body of Christ. Amen. And when you go, think of those who can't go and who would love to go, uh, and it makes some of our complaints maybe seem a little bit uh, less important. What's the story that you've encountered in Colombia or the person that has most impacted you or most inspired you? There's so many. Colombia is so big, and there's so many stories, but uh, we recently visited a pastor in one of the we say the hottest areas because it's very dangerous. We made a trip that uh, not even Colombians would ever dare to do. But what struck me is when the pastor that is over him said, hey, get ready tomorrow, we're going to have guests. He said, no, nobody ever comes here. Just be ready. Bring the boat and you're going to pick us up. So we left uh, main city, flew, they pick us up in a different airport, drove for an hour and a half, switched cars, drove for 30 minutes, took a boat, drove for an, uh, rode the boat for an hour, and we got to this pastor's church. Before we got to the boat, we were introduced to him, and I saw him, he was very giddy, and I thought, oh, well, nice personality, he was all happy and laughing, and well, I came to realize later, it's because he was excited. We got to his church, and he lives in the middle of nowhere. He lives across the border from Venezuela, and there's just a river that separates them uh, from Venezuela. And the first thing they said was, oh, by the way, last night the river was very low. 
and overnight the river went up again. And when the river goes up, the gorilla pulls back into the jungle. So fortunately today the gorilla might be hiding back in the jungle. <laughs> we're excited. We're like, thank you, God. We're 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 glad to be here today. And little by little people starts coming. And oh, this is my friend. This is my son, my daughter. Oh, this is brother so and so and sister so and so. And later on, another boat comes in, and they just showed up. And we started talking to them, and we started uh, just laughing and sharing stories. And they said we we had to ask. So, hey, pastor, have you had visitors from other places here? And he said. Years ago, he's been there for about four years. Four years ago, somebody prophesied that people from other countries were going to come. And you guys are the first ones that ever come to this place. And that's why he was so giddy. He never thought that was going to happen. Um, we got to pray with him. And if you happen to have our newsletter, if not get it, it's it's very interesting to read what is happening. He once was um, wake, walking up in the middle of the night and they were going to kill him and his wife. Things got worked things out and nothing happened. They were let go and they came back home. That's their life. Another time they got their church closed. Now his church has no doors. <laughs> <laughs> so the concept of closing a church, it's strange for us uh, Westerners, but um, well, here in the North, but he was not allowed to get into the church. So they will gather outside the church. One time he had a, f- a floodlight pointing towards the road that goes from the jungle to the church, but it was also throwing light towards the river where the gorilla came and said, turn that off or move it away because we don't want light shining upon us. Uh, Things like that. So this is a pastor that now is super happy, super excited because three foreigners um, from three different countries showed up at his church and we sat and ate together. So that was amazing. And not the story that it was so dramatic, but the fact that pastors feel alone sometimes. And even pastors doubt, like, it's impossible. And we've all thought, oh, this thing that God is saying is impossible. We've all thought that. But when God makes it through, I'm sure things change for this pastor and will change for you too. This is Todd Nettleton, and you're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're talking today with Yvonne, who oversees VOM's work in Spanish-speaking nations. I want to ask you a question about that, about you personally. When when they say, okay, we're going to go deep in the red zone, and we're going to meet this pastor, and by the way, there's a lot of gorillas around there, do you ever personally think, I'm not sure I want to go there? <laughs> Does fear ever play a part in your own heart, or, or how do you overcome that? Fear, and I'm glad you, you used that word. I've learned in my experience on, as a missionary before working here for VOM. I used to work in a country that would, was very close to the gospel, a lot of persecution, and we learned that field paralyzes, and it doesn't matter how good you are, how gifted you are, once fear settles, you stop. So... Back in the day, my wife and I, we knew we had to make a decision and we had to make a choice. And newlyweds, I told her, hey, are we willing to lose everything overnight if we ever get caught by the police? Sure. And ever since. So when now when we have an invitation like this, hey, let's go to this place, we all know the risk. And yeah, you get nervous, but we know that regardless, 
the life of our family. And, and we, we have chosen to call our Christians in other countries that are persecuted, we call them our family because that's who they are. Our family is important too. And they're in other places and they have nobody sometimes. And if we don't take our time and our life and our resources to be with them so that other Christians, the rest of their family in other places can pray for them and know them by name or see their faces, if we can't do that, then, then we are not doing our job. Um, they're important. We love them. And yes, we get nervous. And sometimes we tell our wives and they get nervous too. And sometimes we don't <laughs> tell our wives so that they don't until we come back. And we're like, guess where did I, guess where did I go? Guess what happened? And, um, but they are worth the risk. And I think the response of that pastor says that it was worth it. Just his excitement at having visitors and people to come. And, and like you say, it wasn't some great big thing. It was just we went and we ate together, we fellowshiped together, we prayed together. Um, the, the response that he had says it is worth it. Exactly. So pray for them. And pray for VOM and, and the uh, everybody that is part of this ministry because what we do is not because of us, it's because of the rest of our family. Amen. As we finish up talking about Colombia, what are the specific ways that we can pray for the church in Colombia, particularly in those red zones, in those places where Christians do face persecution? Uh, please pray for protection. We have recently... Uh, received news and news from the ground that the peace treaty in Colombia that they've been trying to do for a long time is coming to pieces. They are again closing churches and that stopped for a while. So churches are being closed and pastors are being harassed again, which means also their families. So pray for their protection. Pray for peace in Colombia. Pray that God will do so something supernatural amongst the guerrilla and amongst the paramilitary. Pray that they will come to know Christ. And the founder of VOM, Richard Wurmbrand, will say, pray for, the, pray for the captors. We pray for the captives, and please don't stop doing that, but pray for the captors. They need Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of his book, Richard Wurmbrand's book, Jesus' Friend of Terrorists, uh, where he says... Uh, you know, terrorists are really passionate people, and when they get saved, they're really passionate Christians. <laughs> so um, that can be a good thing. Yvonne, thank you for your ministry, uh, and thank you for sharing with us today about Colombia. My pleasure. Thank you for having me here. And for everybody at home, God bless you. And please, don't give up, don't give to fear, and listen to what God has to say for your life. Amen. Yvonne, thank you. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. I want to thank you for being with us on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I want to give you a couple of updates about some things that are going on right now with our family in hostile and restricted nations, and hopefully give you a few names to add to your prayer list this week as you answer the call of Hebrews 13.3 to remember those in bonds as if you were bound with them. Several years ago, I had the privilege of visiting Pakistan, 
Uh, honestly, I don't have great memories about the trip because I got really, really sick. Uh, I'd had my gallbladder taken out about two months before we left, and I don't think I'd fully recovered from that surgery. So uh, our team from BOM got to Pakistan, and I got sick. I couldn't keep anything down. Then I started running a fever. Uh, it wasn't a lot of fun for me. And in fact, when I finally made it home, the first words my wife said to me at the airport were, you don't look very good. Thankfully, that hasn't happened very often in the dozens of trips I've taken for VOM. But even though I got sick, I still remember some of the people we met on that trip to Pakistan. A young woman who'd been assaulted by radical Muslims who thought that since she was a Christian, her life didn't matter and they could do what they wanted without fear of the police. Another young Christian woman who'd had acid thrown on her when she refused the romantic interests of a Muslim man. Christians forced into long days of backbreaking work in brick kilns. I remember our partners there too and their hearts to serve. I came home from that trip knowing that Pakistan is a tough place to be a follower of Christ, but also that Christ was at work and even at work among radical followers of Islam. There's been another case of persecution in Pakistan that has garnered a lot of attention in the media in recent years, the case of Asia Bibi, a Christian wife and mother who was convicted of blasphemy and sentenced to death after she had a verbal altercation with some of her Muslim co-workers. There have been some significant developments in Asia's case, and I wanted to update our listeners as well as invite you to raise your voice on Asia's behalf. Just as a reminder, or for those who haven't heard Asia's story, she was arrested in June of 2009, and she has been locked up in prison ever since. Her family was one of only three Christian families in a village of 1,500 families, and she worked on a farm of a Muslim landowner. After a discussion of faith with some of her co-workers that started over whether or not their drinking water was contaminated by a Christian drinking out of it, Asia was charged with blasphemy. In 2010, she was found guilty of blasphemy and sentenced to death by the lower court judge. She appealed to the high court in Lahore, and late in 2014, that court upheld the guilty verdict. In the Pakistani legal system, Asia had one more chance, an appeal to the Supreme Court of Pakistan. And on that front, recently there was a piece of very good news. In the first hearing before a three-judge panel of the Supreme Court, the judges suspended the death penalty and ruled that Asia Bibi's case will receive a full hearing before the Supreme Court. This is a huge step forward for Asia Bibi and her chance for justice. Churches across Pakistan had declared the Sunday before the hearing a special day of prayer for Asia Bibi and for the judges and the officials involved in her case. They say that the Supreme Court's decision is a direct answer to their prayers and to the prayers of people around the world on Asia's behalf. So if you're one of the many who's been praying for Asya Bibi and her family, praise the Lord. This is an answer for our prayers. As we are recording this week, a date for the next Supreme Court hearing has not been announced. But please keep praying for Asya Bibi, for her husband Ashik, and for their daughters. You can also get involved directly. The Voice of the Martyrs launched a petition drive at callformercy.com. 
callforformercy.com, where people sign a petition asking the Pakistani government to free Asia Bibi. So far, we've collected almost 700,000 signatures of people who say, please let our Christian sister go home to her family. You can add your name to that list too. Call for mercy, call for formercy.com. There's another way that you can get involved directly, and that's prisoneralert.com. If you go to Prisoner Alert, you can write a letter to Asia Bibi at the prison where she's being held, and you can write to Pakistani officials on her behalf. We know that these letters make a difference. So go to prisoneralert.com, send an encouraging note to Asia Bibi and to some of the other prisoners who are listed on that site. As you're writing these letters and lifting Asia and her family in prayer, remember to pray for the judges in this case. Politically, there is a great deal of pressure on these Supreme Court judges. There's pressure from outside of Pakistan to release this simple wife and mother and show that Pakistan can be a place of justice. But there's pressure in the opposite direction from radical Muslims inside Pakistan who say you must uphold the honor of Islam by executing Asia Bibi. And if you don't, we know where you live. The judges who will hear this case are very aware that two prominent politicians in Pakistan who spoke out on behalf of Asia Bibi have already been assassinated. Pray for these judges to be courageous and to pursue true justice for our sister Asia Bibi. Pray as well for Asya's attorney, who's literally risking his life to represent this Christian client. There's another trial going on that I also want you to add to your prayer list. Michael Yat and Peter Yen Reith are two South Sudanese pastors on trial in Khartoum, Sudan. Michael is 49 years old, married, and has two young children. Peter is 39 years old, married, and the father of a two-year-old girl. The two pastors are scheduled to hear a verdict in their case on August 5th. You'll remember that not long ago, Sudan split into two nations, South Sudan and Sudan. These two pastors, both from South Sudan, were charged months after their arrest in northern Sudan with, quote, undermining the constitutional system of Sudan and espionage, as well as offending Islamic beliefs. If they're found guilty, they could face the death penalty. The evidence against them was incredibly weak. One of the government's key pieces of evidence was a map of the area around the church where Pastor Michael was invited to speak last December and where he was arrested. The government says the map shows he was a spy, but it's a map you or I could print off the internet right now. International attention has helped. And at one of their recent court hearings, representatives of several foreign governments were present, showing the judge and the Sudanese government that the world is watching this case. I'd like to ask you to pray for these two brothers this week, especially as we approach the hearing on August 5th. Pray God will grant them peace and a sense of his presence both before and after the verdict is read. Pray also for their wives and young children that they will not grow weary and discouraged as they wonder and worry about their husbands and fathers. Will you join me in that prayer for these two Sudanese brothers? 
I want to say thank you again to Yvonne for sharing with us today about Columbia. I hope you'll pray for our brothers and sisters there and for VOM's ministry work in Columbia. As always, you can listen to this episode of VOM Radio online at vomradio.net, where you can also send us your feedback by email or with a phone call and also access VOM Radio as a podcast. That's vomradio.net. Thank you for spending your time with us. I hope you've been encouraged and challenged by the stories of our persecuted family. We'll see you next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. <laughs>